Hello and welcome to another episode of our program, Develop. It is our absolute honor and privilege to have your company as we continue our discussion in the series that we titled Holiness Movement, Holiness Movement. And the whole premise of this particular series is to share with you a brand of Christianity that we are persuaded to reflect the brand of Christianity that Jesus came, lived, died, rose again to introduce to planet Earth. From Genesis to Revelation, God intends for us to live a holy life. And by a holy life, we don't mean just doing good, uh, you know, being on your best behavior or uh, focusing on morality as such. It's about living out the image of God that we were created to bear. It's expressing the nature of God in the world. And you have noticed that we divided this series uh, into three separate segments, mini series, if you like. And over the past few sessions, we've looked at the foundations of pursuing a life of holiness. We looked at about nine different sessions in that. The why, the motivation why we should live this Christ-like holy life. And then the last couple of sessions, we looked at our failure uh, to pursue a life of holiness. The reasons why we looked at an introduction and last session, we looked at the separation or the difference between response and repentance. And today we're going to continue with the second reason that we fail uh, to uh, live out the calling of holiness that God called us to live out as He is holy. And it really springs as a continuation from the first concept of the inception of our Christian uh, walk and journey. If we focus on a response instead of repentance, then the whole ground of our Christianity it comes into question. And this eventually produces uh, in us some genuine and some fake Christians, those who have made simply a response and those who have repented and been regenerated by the Holy Spirit. So as a follow-up, we want to ask the question, what is a genuine follower of Jesus, who is a genuine disciple of Christ. And uh, really every denomination, every Christian tradition has made a response, an answer to that question. Uh, growing up as a, uh, a traditional, uh, as a person in a traditional church for my first 30 years of my life, uh, we grew with the conception that a, a, a true Jesus follower is somebody who goes to uh, church regularly, who participates in the sacraments, the sacraments of baptism, of confession, of holy communion, and the like. Somebody who adopts the church's traditions and doctrinal uh, teachings and lives, uh, you know, uh, a life in alignment to those teachings. And the sign of uh, our 
authenticity as followers of Jesus is often measured by our good behaviors and our bad behaviors. So as an illustration, we grew up with an understanding of the walk with Jesus onto eternity as if it's a ladder from earth to heaven, a ladder from earth to heaven. And the more you walk in a positive way, you are climbing up that ladder. It's not the corporate ladder, it's the Christian ladder. And you're climbing by the way you live your life and, 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 and the way you, you assert, uh, you know, the doctrines of the church and the way that you uh, participate in the different uh, expectations of the sacraments and the like. But we, we, we would get this picture where somebody who's growing uh, and coming closer to the end of their lives, they really climbed up, they're just about to enter into God's eternal abode and they make a mistake, they commit a sinful act, uh, they stumble along the way even in the last days of their existence on earth or maybe even the last hours. And guess what? That one stumble, if you do not repent and confess that one stumble, it basically ruins everything you've built over your entire life. And you can fall from the ladder and you end up in eternal damnation because of a single act of a sinful uh, behavior of a particular ungodly uh, attitude or whatever it might be. But you stumble and fall off the ladder at the last minute. Uh, growing up and, and, and beginning to build a life with Jesus and grounding it in the biblical truth, uh, a group of, of, of us uh, under uh, you know, biblical teaching would discover that that makes it seem like you enter into heaven uh, through your own performances, that you will then be credited with your own salvation. Essentially, the philosophical layer of this falling at the last minute can be traced back to our own endeavors. I was able to climb up the ladder and based on my own uh, mistake and misalignment, I fall off and I stumble off that ladder, which is contrary to what we understand Christian um, uh, doctrine about salvation by the blood of Jesus and the empowerment of the Spirit is all about. And as we uh, voiced our, um, you know, this this dying to this concept of salvation by our own performances and we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, we were eventually, um, you know, stepped aside for our ministry. We were excluded from participating in the church. And finally, we were uh, excommunicated from the traditional denominational uh, altogether. As we began our affiliation with more biblical, evangelical uh, tra Christian traditions, uh, what we recognize is uh, the same question and the same, so to speak, a test of what it's like to be a Christian is adopted by the other traditions but have a different response. And you are a genuine Christian 
if you have made once upon a time a decision, you have signed the response card, you uh, raised your hand to receive Christ, you've made that statement, that sinner's prayer or whatever it might be or the variety of it, and then you come to church, you participate in, in, uh, in church activities, you adopt the, the the, the uh, doctrines uh, of the denomination or whatever it might be and sometimes it's simply making a decision like we spoke about in our last session simply responding to an invitation that may have lasted one or two minutes of explanation and then you leave the rest of your life maybe unchanged and uh, people uh, you know, confirm to others that they have been saved, that their eternity is, is secure, that they are genuine followers of Jesus. And don't listen to anyone else that make you doubt that decision that you've made, regardless of the way you live your life. In fact, people say, if you were living in sin and you made once upon a time, you made a decision to receive Jesus, but your lifestyle is still in the same sins that you have, uh, you know, were accustomed to in your former life prior to encountering the Spirit of God, you are still saved. You're a genuine Christian. And, and the, uh, the get out of jail card that is always uttered in Christian circles is, once saved, brother, you're always saved. Once saved, you are always saved. And we are not in a, in a place of debating once saved, you're always saved. But I would like to submit to you that a better question to be asked is, are you saved? Are you saved? And that's not a judgmental question. That is a question that is responded to throughout the New Testament because there are different brands of Christianity. Uh, in, the, in the early church, in the New Testament teaching, they came about some heretical teachers, false teachers in the church. And in one particular situation, uh, potentially uh, in a place where in Asia Minor or modern Turkey where, where John, had, uh, John the Apostle, the beloved, had uh, uh, you know, overseeing capacity over these uh, little pockets of churches or movement of uh, the Jesus-like uh, you know, Christian communities. The, the reality is there came some false teachers uh, most commentators suggest they were a version of the Gnostic teachings. The Gnostic comes from knowledge. And these people separated themselves from the apostolic message. And they claimed that uh, through some philosophical mingling with the Christian message, they had a superior brand of Christianity. And uh, th this group of people uh, had the false teaching that, um, you know, God is good, but matter is evil. God is good, but matter is evil as implication of that, uh, that they denied the incarnation of Christ. They denied that God uh, uh, could mingle uh, with material, our, our physical uh, world, our material world. Uh, some of them said uh, that Jesus seemed to be uh, divine or seemed to be human. Others said uh, that, 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 that God uh, united to Jesus at the moment of His baptism and departed from Him 
him just before his crucifixion, they were doubting the reality of the fully God, fully man nature of Christ because God is good, matter is evil. Some of them decided, therefore, that salvation comes through knowledge. It's not through faith in Jesus. And, and, and they were superior through the speculative type of knowledge that distinguished them from the other uh, you know, apostolic-oriented uh, believers. And they, they had uh, you know, really perceived matter as evil. And as a result of that, their behaviors were distorted. And this is always the case. False teaching always leads to false living. As a result of their, uh, you know, their attitudes and their teaching, the church were divided. People didn't know what was, you know, uh, genuine, what was fake, uh, what is a true Christian, and and what is a fake Christian. And they were persuading the Christians that if you really, really want the real deal, you need to come to our side uh, and to, to be part of us. And they departed uh, the fellowship of the church. And uh, some of them uh, used this concept of, of matter is evil and God is good to say that they attained a, a moral perfection. Because whatever they did uh, physically, um, that didn't really matter. That didn't really break God's law and they they began to um, uh, you know to say that no matter what they did is not really sin and sin isn't really a problem which created uh, you know a license to live a perverted lifestyle others uh, went to the other extreme and said that we need to treat the body harshly and beat it into some sort of submission uh, to be uh, a saved people. So what happened uh, as a result of this false teaching is the question in the believer's mind, is this true or are we, uh, are we in the right path? Are they the ones that got the, the, the genuine type of Christianity or, or do we have? It was confusion. So John, the apostle, sent a, a circular letter around 85 to 95. We're not 100% sure he was advancing years at this stage. And uh, he, he uh, you know, probably lived in Ephesus from around 70 AD um, and, and probably looked after all the, the small churches in that region. He sent him a letter to clarify what is genuine. What is a genuine belief, uh, believer based on genuine doctrine that Jesus has passed to these apostles? They were the eyewitnesses that experienced Jesus and passed his message to others. And as a result of that, he wanted to assure the believers that you actually have the truth and your life is evidence that you are genuine believers. But he, he, he wanted to tell them that there are some, uh, uh, I guess, evidence or some tests that reveal what you know is to be true and that will implicate how you live. And uh, we could summarize uh, the, tests, uh, the test, uh, tests of genuineness uh, into three major areas, a theological an ethical and a social uh, evidence or, or, or test that you could uh, be able to differentiate genuine from fake 
Christianity. Under theological, and it gets repeated throughout the, uh, the letter, by the way, the, the letter takes those themes and repeats them over and over. We, we think about the theological uh, uh, aspects of the genuine Christian is that they believe in Christ's nature, fully God, a fully human, fully God, fully man, not seemingly one or the other. And that is reflected in chapter 5 and again in chapter 4. The ethical test in 1 John 2, 3 to 6, it speaks of us imitating Christ's character. And that uh, is manifested in our obedience and in our attitude towards sin, keeping Christ's commands and rejecting the practice of sin. And finally, in terms of the social test, is that we love Christ's family. And it's repeated in two big segments or passages in chapter 3 and chapter 4. If we are to summarize uh, the evidence of, of true Christians and genuine Christianity, they are beautifully written in 1 John 5, 1-5 and 1 John 3, 21-24. It's almost like a summary paragraph. And here we go. This is what he, John the Apostle says. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. That means they're genuine believers. And everyone who loves the father loves his child as well. That's the relational aspect. This is how we know that we love the children of God by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. That's our genuine faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Can you see the sandwich between you know, believing that Jesus is the Christ, believing that Jesus is the Son of God, so Jesus' nature is the sandwich under which the other evidence of our true faith, which is described by being born of God, that means we're children of God, genuine Christian, uh, genuine followers of Jesus, which are uh, you know, as many as received Him, they were given the right to become children of God. We are born of God. That means we have a relational intimacy with God as our Father. And as a result of that, we love God's children. We obey God's uh, um, uh, commands and we overcome the world. A pictorial uh, summary of it, a genuine child of God believes in Christ. That's the start. And believes in Christ is the end. And as a result of believing in Christ genuinely, we love the Father. And, and we have a relationship with God as our heavenly, real and ideal dad. And when we love the father, we love his children automatically. That's, that's a sign of us loving the father. We obey his command as our caring father that has the best interest, our best interest at heart. And as a result, we over the overcome the world. And who do the, those people who overcome the world? They're the people who genuinely believe in Christ. This is a pictorial summary of the genuineness of the child of God. 
In the little time I have left, I want to address the three major evidence that show you somebody is a child of God genuinely. Someone is a true believer. Someone is genuinely saved, not fake, not false. So evidence one is believing in Christ's nature. And that really it doesn't require too much explanation. What John mentions here, who is it? Who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. If you deny the Son, you absolutely deny the Father. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. That's in 1 John 2, 22-25. Again, he repeats the same concept in 1 John 4, 14-16. As I told you, it's, uh, it's repeated uh, themes throughout the letter. And John says this, And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they live in God. The first thing is believing in Christ's nature as fully God and fully human. And every Christian tradition would agree on that essential basis of our doctrine, the nature of Christ. If Christ is not fully God, if Christ is not fully man, He couldn't substitute for us. His sacrifice is of no eternal value. He couldn't really come and rescue us from the penalty of sin because otherwise He will be dying for His own sin. The second a test or evidence of our genuineness comes uh, from 1 John 2, 3 to 6. And I just uh, capture a couple of, of words there. Uh, imitating Christ's character is an evidence that we're genuine Christians. And John says this, we know that we have come to know Him. That means we are truly uh, believers who have come to know Jesus if we keep His commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know. This is how we know. This is the evidence that we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in Christ must live uh, uh, um, whoever claims to live in Him must live as Jesus did. This is the reality and the evidence of our salvation, that we are in the process of increasingly living out the life of Christ in our mortal bodies. That if we obey the command, we show that we have been saved. It's not that if you obey the command, you will be saved. And this is a result of an evidence of our salvation. Salvation precedes any of our obedience to the commands of Christ. And again, in 1 John 2, 29, it says, Everyone who does what is right has been born of Him. That means truly born of Him, truly a believer 
authentic, genuine, a child of God. So the first thing is believing the truth about Christ's nature. Secondly, is keeping a Christ's commands, imitating Christ's character by keeping Christ's commands. But we also imitate Christ's character, but not living or keep on sinning. He says, everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sin and in him is no sin. No one, no one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. 1 John 3, 4 to 8. Have you seen more emphatic statement? No one who lives in Jesus keeps on sinning. You can't tell me that I've encountered the Holy Spirit, that I've made a confession of my faith and I've responded and I've become a follower of Jesus, but I continue to live exactly the same immoral life that I lived prior to Christ. And now I've got the best of both worlds. I've got the, the sinful, passionate, lustful lifestyle, and I've got a secure ticket to heaven. That is nonsense. Don't tell me I'm being judgmental. That is patting people all the way to eternal damnation. We are tricking people. We are deceiving people. We are doing to people what the enemy would love to do to them. Convince them that they've been saved when their life has not been changed, which is an evidence that they truly have been saved. You do not continue. See, again, John tells us in 1 John 3, 9 and 10. No one, again, emphatic, who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. Have you noticed the idea of keep on sinning? The idea of continuing to sin? This really speaks of a pattern of life. Every single one who is truly a disciple of Jesus, who received the Holy Spirit, who's been born again by the power of God, will sin. It says, whoever says that they don't sin is a liar and the truth is not in them. So the reality, we will sin. We will make mistakes because we, are, uh, we, we have a sinful nature, inclination to be self-oriented. Uh, so we, we will sin, but we do not live in sin. That means our attitude is to live a life of godliness and holiness and righteousness and imitate Christ's character in every way. But when we fall, when we stumble, we rise up again. We actually hate sin and love what God loves and we hate what God hates. That's a, 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 an illustration that our nature has been changed. If we love sin just like we loved sin before Christ and we live a lifestyle of sin, we're not even troubled by sin. We have to question the evidence of our salvation. The last evidence is loving Christ's family. Genuine Christians love Christ's family. Dear friends, let us not love one another. Let, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God. That's God's children in 1 John 4, 7 to 12. And then again in 1 John 4, 19 to 21, it says, We love because God and Christ loved us first. Whoever claims to love God 
yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. Can you believe that? He's saying, I want to show you the fake from the genuine. A truly born again people, truly people who have been regenerated by the Spirit, they will love God's family because they have the same Father. But if you, if you say that you've been born again, if you say that you've received Christ, if you say that you've made a decision, but you have no genuine interaction and love and care and, 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 and genuine by deeds, not just by words, that you love God's family, we have to ask the genuineness of the faith. And it's amazing in 1 John chapter 3, verses 14 to 17, it says that we know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. And goes on to say that Jesus laid down his life for us and we need to look after people's practical needs with our material possessions and to have pity on them and love them, not just to talk that we love them. I want to share with you that behavior and beliefs are inseparable. In the message of John's letter by a commentator, uh, it says this, The signs and marks of assurance are not mystical and philosophical, but down to earth and observable. To profess knowledge of God without a holy life, without a clean break with sin and a deep love for other Christians is as much a delusion as to deny the incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ. There are evidence, there are evidence that prove that we have been born again by the Spirit of God. And the reason we fail to pursue holiness is because we confuse genuine from fake fellowship with God. It's just because you say something doesn't mean you have genuine fellowship with God. Those who are born of God do not compromise right doctrines or right living. And this is a product of people making decisions without being properly informed of a life of repentance and being regenerated by the Spirit. But genuine Christians have both repented and believed, have been regenerated by the power of the Holy Spirit, and their life reveals the reality of their transformation. Doing those three things Believing in Jesus' nature and imitating Christ's character and loving Christ's family, it doesn't mean that makes you saved. They, the evidence that you are truly saved only by the blood of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. It is a heart's prayer and passion that every God-loving person would truly embrace the reality or the evidence of their genuine faith. And if that's not true for you, well, go back to basics and say, Lord, I want to be regenerated by the power of the Spirit so I can live like Jesus in the world. I want to be a genuine Christ follower. And that is our prayer for you. Until we see you next time, be utterly blessed in Jesus. Thank you for watching.